millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, you're listening to another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And in this episode, we're covering The Woman King, plus all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. Now, The Woman King follows the journey of General Naniska, the leader of an all-female unit of warriors called Ogoji, who protected the African kingdom of Dahomey in the 1800s with a fierceness unlike anything the world has ever seen. Inspired by true events, Naniska trains the next generation of recruits and readies them for battle against an enemy determined to destroy their way of life. The Woman King is directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, who did The Old Guard on Netflix, mm-hmm. from a screenplay by Dana Stevens, from a story by Stevens and Maria Bello. The Woman King stars Viola Davis, Thuso Mbido, Lashana Lynch, Sheila Atim, Hero Finds Tiffin, John Bayega, and Jordan Bolger. Now, I love seeing fierce-as-hell women kicking ass on screen. Fuck so be- yeah. Before I even walked into the cinema, I was sold on this movie. Right. I mean, the trailer is impactful, the power that presented in its marketing. Yeah. But honestly, Lee, I was not expecting the power behind this yes. movie, the story, the characters, the richness of it. It is truly epic and far out. I'm so excited to talk about it today. Power is such a good word mm. to describe this film. It was exciting. It was enthralling. It was a joy to watch. And we talked about the story follows Naniska, mm. played by the incredible Viola Davis. Wow, what a performance. Can't wait to delve into that later. She's this general who leads the Agoji, who are the king's guard, basically. Yes. And the Dahomey culture revered women with official roles balanced by both a male 
and female leader, which is really interesting. Yes, that gender parity mm. was apparent within how they structured their village in terms of leaders. And that is incredible to see. I had no idea that was part of, you know, that sort of way of life and so Mm. long ago. And it's not just a queen, you know, it's not the king, one of the king's wives that becomes a queen, although she does want to become the woman king. Yes. It's more a political thing, isn't it? Like a political counterpart. Yes. King Gesu's wife has her eye on being the woman king, as I just said. Uh, But Naniska has proven herself worthy time and time again. How good would it be if just in the world in general, every important job had a female and male counterpart leader? I mean, look, you're stating something that we that needs to happen within society. <laughs> I know. Because that balance is so important. That perspective yeah. is so important. It would be like the House and Senate, only more effective. <laughs> right. And I mean, it's so wild that there was a, there was a culture in a society like this one from hundreds of years ago that existed effectively mm. uh, in this space with gender parity, yet it's taken a white culture hundreds and hundreds of years to <laughs> still not get there and yeah. to still not get it right and to buck it up along the way. Yeah. It's really inspiring to see this play out in, in that sense because it works. Yeah. I want to highlight that this story was spearheaded by Maria Bello, which mm. I found really interesting. She is the actress of Coyote Ugly fame, The Mummy 3. I love how you led with Coyote Ugly as I know, the look, first thing. She's done look, a lot of other films. Yeah, I know. Not, <laughs> look, not her best works, <laughs> but most most known, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she's been in a lot more, but I just think that's really cool. Like she is working behind the scenes. Some I love when you find out about actors who are just so multi-talented mm. and can, you know, create stories like this. I, I, when I saw her name on the, the credits, I thought, no, nah, it's not that Maria Bella. So <laughs> yeah. I, the, the film had ended and I'd moved past that sort of thought. And then when I was doing, you know, the research for this episode, when I looked up it again, I thought, what? This is wild. <laughs> I was shocked as well. There was so much about this movie and the people yeah. that are involved in it that I had no idea about. Yes. It was great to discover. And the written history of this time is quite thin. So they didn't have a lot mm. to draw on. They lent very heavily into fictional characters based yes. on the real warriors and the mm. real kingdom. Although the king is based on a real king. Yeah, and the reason why that was is because photography hadn't existed, right? So Mm. there was no, like, visual stimuli to to lean on. There was text, but it was tainted by a white lens. They changed it based on their perceptions of black people and Mm. were very, like, racist towards it. So the the text that they were basing this film on aren't particularly accurate. No. And so they had to really dive deep but then find the actual cultural Mm. significance and the truth uh, reading between the lines. Yeah. And economically, Dahomey at this time is complicit in the transatlantic slave trade. Yes, that shocked me. There's another layer to this. Yeah. yeah. So they're selling off captives to keep the prosperity within the kingdom. Mm. This is set around the time when there's pushback starting to happen and the king, the young king, has to decide whether he keeps doing that or whether he finds another way, which was palm oil production. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, they had to find alternate economical ways for the kingdom to prosper and it was palm oil. I had no idea that there was that sort of complicitness in the black slave trade between villages and and white people. I don't know if complicitness is the right word. I think it was maybe like the things you have to do to keep your people alive. Yeah, Yeah. I, I don't know. It was a really complicated but valuable 
like angle of this movie to understand the the pain behind that decision making that they mm. had no choice, but to also have some empathy and understand why they found themselves in that situation. And I wasn't expecting that from this story. And it made yeah. me sit up and, and really think about how complicated the political landscape was of the time yeah. and the advantages people took yeah. against vulnerable people. I mean, if you're being colonized, mm. you can fight back, but if you've got no way to fight back, then what do you do? Do you just do what you can to survive? There was a line in the film that jumped out to me, which mm. was the white man has brought immorality to Africa. And it's a very, very weighted sort mm. of statement to make. Yeah. What did you think about the story overall and the themes of, of what it was bringing in with all this slave trade and that kind of thing? I found it incredibly rich. I found it epic mm. and sweeping and multi-layered. It was not afraid to... Yeah. highlight things of, of difficult content. Mm-hmm. And there's some fantastic character development oh, going on stunning. as well. I will say there are some elements that they started adding to the story later in the story that mm. I don't think were, were necessary. Needed. I mm-hmm. think it was like adding all these emotional gut punches that didn't really need to be there because they'd done such a great job and I was engaged with all the characters up until mm. that point. I don't want to give it away obviously, Mm. but I just don't think it was needed. Look, I was so invested in the characters and the development that all those other layers and Jengas that they added to the story, I was always there for. Right, okay. I think you could argue this film is two hours, 15 minutes. It's long, Mm. right? And I adored the pacing. I had no issues with the pacing, but I can understand how some people, especially in the middle section where those Jengas get added, Mm. they're just adding more and more to to the layers of the characters in the story. But then what happens is they have a lot to wrap up by the end. Yes, and it is one of those films where it fades to black a few times and you come back up. They're trying to wrap up and and, and give it a nice, neat finish, but it takes a while to actually wrap up because they've added so many layers to the story. They have to keep going from one thing to the next. But at least they do wrap it up well. Yes, they don't leave any stone unturned. Mm. You feel very satisfied with the end of certain characters or relationships and scenarios. I want to ask you one thing, though. Mm-hmm. There's a mid credit scene. A mid credit scene? What did you scene? think of that? Oh, I was actually, to be honest, I semi-missed it and wasn't particularly engaged in it because I was walking out of the cinema. Yeah, you wouldn't expect it. Uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're not seeing a DC or Marvel movie here <laughs> to, to expect a mid credit scene. So I can't really recall it, sorry. How did you resonate with it? I didn't quite understand oh, what, okay. what it was about. It was some sort was, of what, ritual, yeah, wasn't it? I didn't understand what it was adding to the story, but yeah. maybe it just went over my head. Perhaps, but I, I would need to revisit it because... What is it, setting up a sequel or something? Like, I, I am unsure, but I find that highly unlikely all the same. The Woman King Part 2. I would fucking watch that, though. Yeah, like, seriously, for sure. I would. For I'd sure. be there. Can we talk about the stunt work and the choreography in this film? Because it's out of this world. The choreography is outstanding by Daniel Hernandez, who's done some Marvel films and he's worked with director Gina Prince-Bythewood on The Old Guard. Mm-hmm. It feels like these women could shoulder charge a bull down. It's believable. It's so authentic. The way he's trained them and the skills that they have. And he said that the actors did about 90% of their own fight scenes. I mean, I just want to clap for these women. Right. Wow. Wow. Bar jumping off a cliff into some water. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't know if I'd want to do that. You can take that, mate. You can take that. (laughs) The fighting is all them and it's so damn good. Physically, they presented as real 
strong warriors. They mm-hmm. weren't lean. They were muscly and they were strong and mm-hmm. those bodies were celebrated. And it was just so yep. fucking awesome and to see. even the smaller ones, mm. they taught them the fight skills in a way that they could use that height to their advantage and they gained mm. momentum instead of being brute force. You know, one of the younger recruits would use her momentum to flip people over oh, and get yes. them and I was just that's one of my favorite fucking moves yeah, in, everyone in martial arts. yeah everyone had their own fighting style and mm. skills on display so it was very nuanced because also these agoji women had all been brought in from different parts of Africa some were captives some were part of the Dahomey kingdom so they were all different and it was all on display which was really amazing and that's the thing they were all different unique and their skill mm. sets were so beautifully realized visually and you knew exactly which character you were looking at based on partly their fighting style yeah and the brute force or the agility behind it get this so they trained twice a day six days a week strict meal plans doing martial arts training to build muscle i mean right from the beginning this film presented as so visceral Mm. violent but it just hooked you in and the skill of the stunt people and the cast was just amazing. And let me just point something out to you for a second. Viola Davis was 56 years old when she did this film. Just think about that for a second. Wow. Jesus, she looked incredible. Honestly. I also want to point out this one scene in the film in terms of the fight choreography where a knife goes through a character's arm. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And she still uses that knife through her arm to kill her opponent. How badass is that? I mean, not only was this story so rich, right, and layered, but visually and in how those moments come together Mm. are so fucking cool. It's so brutal. (laughs) And you're cheering these characters on. And even though how ridiculous that might seem, because it sounds ridiculous, right? It absolutely sounds ridiculous because it is. (laughs) But it works and it's you fist pump through this movie constantly. It doesn't look ridiculous. It looks tough as hell. Yeah, right? (laughs) And and look, if you're unconvinced that these women are tough as hell, you're certainly on the same page with that moment. Like, I'll tell you what, gosh. Uh, Speaking of Viola Davis... We've mentioned her recently in our Black Adam review. I believe we referred to that bitch, <laughs> Amanda. No, not Viola Davis. Oh, not Viola Davis. Amanda Waller. Yeah. Amanda Waller is that bitch. Let's just be clear about that. Yeah. Viola Davis is fucking incredible. Yeah. Uh, so she plays Naniska, who is the general of the Agoji. She's mm. Miganon, I believe they call her. Right. A warrior in the truest sense. She's really solemn. She's very serious a lot of the time, but you know, some light-hearted moments come out every now and then. Yes. And she's coming to realise that her time as a warrior might be over soon. And so she's looking to what's next, which is possibly becoming the woman king. And it leans into her skills in understanding the political world as well and her as an innovator in cultivating new economical prosperity Mm. for the village. To move away from the slave trade. Yes, and into palm oil, like we mentioned Mm. before. I want to call out a quote that Viola Davis has said Mm. of the film. She says, I saw my femininity in it. I saw my blackness in it. I saw a really important part of history in it. I always say any part of history is important, even the small parts. And I think that this is a story that the world is hungry for. Mm. The history is really interesting as well because we've talked a little bit about this. It shines a light on some really difficult times, Mm. but also wraps it up in a sort of rose-tinted lens, which I guess is expected of these films, isn't Mm. it? Yeah, I mean... 
That's a really interesting point. Did you think that things wrapped up a little too neat towards the end? It wrapped up with hope. Hope, which is a which beautiful thing. I think we know after hundreds of years of history that there were even more difficult times ahead for the African nation. So that hope is something to hold on to, but it certainly isn't the... It's not realistic. It's not realistic. <laughs> no. It's not real. No, but it was still enjoyable to watch. It yeah. leaves you with that sense of coming out of the cinema and going, that was really cool. Yeah, goddamn, I loved it. Yeah, you feel empowered. You don't mm. want to walk out of there being depressed, obviously. No, not at all. But yeah, I mean, just something to keep in mind with no. the story. It's not completely... Look, I want to call this out. I don't have much to say about it, but I found it a little shocking or interesting that the two screenwriters behind the film are women. Amazing. That's mm-hmm. not my point. But they were white women. And, yeah. I, and I thought, of course, there was deep research and understanding in the crew and everyone being involved mm. and, and certainly the cast, obviously, with that black representation. Yeah. But I was a little disappointed that it was two white women behind the words. Look, it's definitely something to mention and call out for sure. But I think Gina Prince Bythewood, in terms of the below the line crew on the film, she hired the right kind of people that would make this authentic. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a hundred percent lived experience. But you used a word authentic and this mm. film certainly looks and feels and plays out it does. authentic. So you certainly take that away from it. It does. Let's talk about some of the other characters. Nawi, who's played by Thuso Mbidu. She's a character actually named after one of the last known Agoji who passed away in 1979. Is that right? Yeah. Wait, 1979? Right, yeah. That's very recent. Yeah. So this young character comes into the Agoji. She's very stubborn. She's very headstrong. And she finds a kinship with Lashana Lynch's character, Mm. Izogi. What a beautiful relationship that is. It's a lot of fun. It's cheeky, but it's deep and connected. Yeah. Because they see each other in each other, which is really beautiful. Yeah. You know, Nawi is so determined. She's got grit like no one else. And she has no choice. Her father throws her into the kingdom. Yes, because she won't get married. She won't get married. And that's like, yeah, girl, you don't need to go (laughs) off and get married to some old middle-aged man. You you do you. But it's about her finding her true identity and purpose Mm. and listening to what her fate is. And that's a really beautiful journey to follow with this performance. She is quite headstrong, sometimes insolent though. (laughs) Doesn't really obey authority very well. No, not at all. And barely uh, learns from her lessons. (laughs) But that makes for great conflict and drama in a film. It does. Do you know, I was really excited to see Lashana Lynch in this film because I actually didn't realise that she was in it. Neither did I. We've seen her recently in No Time to Die. Yep. The James Bond franchise. Which I was recently re-watching and going, for. Yeah. I'm just having a bit of a love affair with her right now. Yeah, she's really cool. Um, she plays Izogi, as we said, a skilled lieutenant in the Agoji who mentors Nawi. She's funny, she's lighthearted, but God, she's deadly. Deadly and funny. <laughs> what a combination is that. She was one of my favourite characters. It's hard to pick my favourite character in this movie because they all held their own and they were so deeply fascinating and interesting and multi-layered. But you called out her being funny. Mm-hmm. The, this movie was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I was not expecting but not it funny to be ha- a partly a comedy at times. But not funny ha-ha, like just lighthearted in witty. some moments. Witty. Really yeah. witty. This is one of my favourite lines in the film. While she is training the young women, mm-hmm. are you training to cook? You are cutting a body, not a lamb. <laughs> and I oh, just loved it. I yeah, loved yeah, those yeah. lines that showed funny. up. We have also Sheila Atim playing Amenza, who is Naniska's right-hand woman. Mm. She was once a captive. 
And then she's worked her way up to be a really close friend of Naniska. And the two of them share this big secret, which comes to light a bit later in the film. They've got a beautiful, strong bond. They understand each other. There's almost Mm. this shorthand. And there's the respect, though. She would never voice her opinion in front of the other women. She'd pull Mm. her aside and and share her piece. Yeah. But then respect the response that comes with it. Yeah. The friendship, the kinship between these women is truly inspiring. It's one of the best things about the film too. It's really enjoyable. Yeah. And Amenza is also a spiritual leader Mm. of sorts. So maybe that's what she was doing in the mid credit scene. Something spiritually, (laughs) ritually... Um, summoning the sequel to The Woman King. <laughs> I wish I understood the significance of it. Somebody yeah. tell us the significance. Please. Then we've got John Boyega who plays the king. He's a revered and respected king, very mm. young king though, and he's presiding over this crucial period in Dahomey's history where he has to decide if the slave trade is something they should be participating in mm. or whether he needs to protect his people. I liked when he showed up intermittently throughout the film because the women are the focus here. But you have a leader, this king, mm. who's at a crossroads in his leadership and he's got a decision to make. Mm. But I loved how his character was written in a way where he consulted with people to help him come up with his decision yeah. because ultimately he wants his people to prosper mm. and John Boyega delivered a great stoic performance here. He really did, didn't he? I was impressed. I yeah. was very impressed. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised. He's pretty good in everything that he I does. Know, we're saying Viola Davis was great. Of course she was. John Boyega was great. Of course she was. All <laughs> these people were just fantastic. But oh, these are some of my favourite performances of all these actors. Yeah, I think this right. is the best performance I've ever seen of Viola Davis. And I hope that she gets nominated for something for this film because she deserves it. Also, Thusso, who is this girl who played Naoi? She is a super superstar yeah. in the making. Like she was utterly captivating in yeah. every single goddamn frame. It was as much her movie as Viola Davis's movie. Yeah. Those beautiful two-handers between them. I just mm-hmm. couldn't get enough of it. Absolutely. I want to talk about the costumes for a second because, Jesus, they're gorgeous. Beautiful. Stunning but also practical. Mm. They've got these beautiful colours of ochre, yellows and blues and then the purples for the regal king and, mm. and the Niska to show their station just so rich yes beautiful rich is the word i've got down as well just so gorgeous it elevated the culture and the feeling around it you had the juxtapose the warriors Mm. and those like earthy tones and how the Costumes were practical and fitted to their mm. body and made them agile and strong. Yep. And then you elevated the beauty of, of black women as well, um, yeah. more, more so in, in the kingdom and the king's wives. How many wives did he have? Oh, oh God, it was like eight, eight or something eight wives? like that. Yeah. Lucky man. So <laughs> I, I just loved how rich it was. There's that word, yep. how rich it and was. And set against the red, red earth. Yes. Looked incredible. And that must have been really hard to light as well for the cinematographer because mm. – one thing I want to point out is is a big consideration of this film was also how to light and film black skin. Mm. There's this thinking that filmmaking has often been geared towards lighting white skin and right. that black people's skin can often be overexposed because they don't adjust and they don't know how to work it or they shine like a really, really bright light on them to light them up. Okay. But wonderfully, Gina Prince-Blythewood had the presence of mind to hire a team that could highlight the natural beauty and nuances of darker skin and deal with the hair textures. So mm. everyone from makeup to costuming to the hair artists, that that onset culture really shines through on the screen, I think. Gosh, I love that. See, there's the crew coming together yeah. with the right intentions in order to elevate this story and these bodies. And the these right women. people to get the right results. That's right. And gosh, this movie didn't have a bad 
angle, did it? No. It was just God, no. so stunning. It really is beautiful to look at. Uh, the music as well. My goodness me. It's meant to feel epic. Right. It really does. <laughs> it really does. It's an epic film. There are also ethnic elements mm-hmm. woven into the score that create such drama in some moments. But mm. what I really loved was the sense of joy and culture. Yeah. In a few moments, you've got that really beautiful sense of celebration in some parts. Oh, that's so true. That is such a beautiful thing to say because you, you have paired with – the rhythms, the choir, the drums, like just elevating that sound of that cultural sound, but positioning it in moments of celebration, as well as the drama and the epic mm. scale of the fight scenes and, and all the rest yeah. of it is just this stunning, consistent red thread that runs through the movie and, and it's the music. 100%. All right, Lee, how about it? Should we wrap up and rate our take on The Woman King? Let's give it a shot, shall we? Power, or and excitement are three words that come to mind while watching The Woman King. The story is as much about legacy as it is about honour and what is willing to be sacrificed to survive. Although it places history under a hopeful rose-tinted lens, that's what's expected of an epic action where you cheer for the hero and the groundbreaking performances mask any shortcomings in the story. It's Gladiator meets Wonder Woman, but also entirely stands on its own. I'm giving The Woman King four popcorn kernels. Gladiator meets Wonder Woman. How good is that? I love that, Lee. Well, The Woman King blew me away. This is the kind of epic storytelling I've been craving. A sweeping, rich, compelling and important story told, paired with exceptional writing, performances and design. I was gripped from the first to last frame, invested in all of the characters and what they were fighting for. I highly recommend you go and check out this film. I'm going to rate The Woman King four and a half popcorn kernels, Lee. Well, there you have it, guys. The Woman King is in Australian cinemas from October 27th. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, Lee, let's jump in our news and trailer section of the episode mm. because we got the first Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer this week. I love a Marvel trailer drop. Right? Give me, give me, give me. Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, along with Hank Pym and Jeanette Van Dyne, explore the quantum realm, where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure that goes beyond the limits of what they thought was possible and encounter a terrible foe who is expected to change the MCU as we know it forever. What did you think of this trailer? It's very visual CGI heavy. There's so much about the quantum realm that we clearly have never seen before. So I'm excited to explore that. I, as always, thought that they revealed too much in the trailer. They revealed why they're in the quantum realm, how they got there and who they're going to meet. And I know Marvel always has a surprise or two up their sleeve. So that's not the full story. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm disappointed in how much they revealed in this trailer. This is a growing trend in marketing where they just throw everything at you in the trailer to yeah. hook you in. And I think it's unnecessary. Yeah. I'm disappointed that you feel disappointed that you know too much about <laughs> it. I do. I feel like I know too much about it. But yeah. anyway, I'm still going to go see it, of course. Of course. Yeah. We'll see you there. <laughs> so releasing in Aussie cinemas on February 16 of next year, it sees the return of Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas, and finally more of Jonathan Major's Kang the Conqueror after his character's introduction in Disney Plus series Loki. And, of course, we welcome Catherine Newton to play Scott Lang's daughter Cassie. Plus Bill Murray was in there. Yeah, that was announced a little while ago and everyone's like, Bill Murray's in the MC, that's random. He yeah. shows up. And does he say anything in the trailer? I can't remember. I don't know. I'm finding it a bit hard to get excited about Bill Murray after all the stuff that's starting to come out about him now. It's his behaviour on set. Isn't it a shame that you love the talent of people and then you find out all this really shit stuff and it just They're deflates your balloon. Wits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My balloon is getting very small. <laughs> it's very deflated. Is that yes. a euphemism? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds dirty. We'll move on from the balloon. <laughs> so in some downright exciting news this week, it was announced that James Gunn and Peter Safran will serve as co-chairman and co-CEOs of DC Studios. I'm so freaking excited about this. Right? Finally, DC. Finally. Finally. Get your shit together. You got it together. I Let's know. see what you've got. You need to have someone at the head or two people at the head who live and breathe DC, like Kevin Feige lived and breathed Marvel. 100%. So Gunn and Safran will oversee the film, TV and animation at DC Studios from November 1st, which has now actually been rebranded as simply DCU instead of the DCEU. So DC Universe instead of DC Extended yes. Universe. Gotcha. It's all just the one universe now. Right. <laughs> uh, they will report to Warner Brothers Discovery President and CEO David Zaslav and are both expected to continue working on other projects outside of DC. I have no idea how they're going to do that, but good luck to them. Do you know what? I think it's also a bit cheeky because DCU, MCU, they're really leaning into the thing. It's short, sharp. Yeah. They're basically changing one letter, they're literally changing <laughs> one letter. Yeah. I think mean, that's clever. Yeah. Although Kevin Feige, president of Marvel Studios, has joked he doesn't know how Gunn will find time to work on DC because he has, and I quote, a lot of work to do for Marvel <laughs> until May Yeah, because Gunn is currently working on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and he will obviously have to promote that yeah, as well. Yeah, so he's, he's booked up for the next six months at least. I really want to see James Gunn's contract and how it's cut <laughs> out between his <laughs> roles and responsibility within the MCU to tie yeah. up Guardians of the Galaxy. I think... <laughs> Pick yeah. up DC. I think going forward that we won't see much of Gunn in Marvel, although he has said previously that he wants to bring the two together. He had pitched at one point a Guardians of the Galaxy and Suicide Squad crossover. Um, so having him, having him as the head of DC, I mean, it could happen. And in the comics, there's history of Marvel and DC having crossovers sometimes. That is wild. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, are we just being... Drastically hopeful here. <laughs> I don't Do, know. Would you a bit actually, greedy, maybe? Question: Would you actually want to see that? I don't know. I mean, there's going to come a point where they've exhausted everything and they have to do that. Maybe. I mean, you asked on the podcast a couple of episodes ago. I wonder when the MCU is. Will, will it ever end? I mean, yeah. what if it ended? With that, what if it ended with some sort of like epic crossover and then we all move on with our lives? We all move on with our lives. <laughs> it's getting to the point though where they've got so many loose threads in the Marvel universe because it's expanding so much and so fast. It's just exponential, isn't it? Yeah. So there's, there's so many threads going on at the moment. It's really hard to keep track of. 
MCU phase four, the loose thread phase. Yeah. That's what it is. Tie some shit up. Tie some shit up, guys. Come on. Gunn and Safran said in a joint statement of the announcement, we're honoured to be the stewards of these DC characters we've loved since we were children. Our commitment to Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Harley Quinn, and the rest of the DC stable of characters is only equaled by our commitment to the wonder of human possibility these characters represent. It's a very yeah. <laughs> florally language here. We're excited to invigorate the theatrical experience around the world as we tell some of the biggest, most beautiful, and grandest stories ever told. This is just such huge news, and I think it's the right move, and I'm really excited now to see where... They take the DCU. Right. Me too. Fix the damn thing. Fix it, please. God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can trust them though. We can absolutely trust them. You think so? Yeah. Famous last words. Yeah. No, I, I do trust James Gunn explicitly when it comes to this world. Good, good, good. Uh, speaking of James Gunn, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special trailer for the upcoming Disney Plus TV special dropped this week too, highlighting another adventure for the Guardians. Written and directed by James Gunn, it reunites the gang of Peter Quill or Star-Lord, played by Chris Pratt, Mantis, Pom Clementif, Drax, played by Dave Bautista, Rocket, played by Bradley Cooper, Nebula, who's Karen Gillian, and Groot, who is voiced by Vin Diesel, as they return to Earth to give Peter Quill the Christmas he's always wanted. With Drax and Mantis determined to find Star-Lord the best Christmas present ever, Kevin Bacon. (laughs) That's really cool. Yes, you heard correctly. Mr. Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon himself is joining the MCU in one of the funniest ways possible. But it isn't just an excuse to have Quill's love of Footloose star Bacon realised. Gunn has also confirmed it will fill in some gaps between the events of Thor, Lum and Thunder and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So what they got up to when Thor left them. Yes, and also the loose threads. Or they left him. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they dumped him. It was, it was a mutual dumping. Yeah. So Gunn has said, although the holiday special is a standalone story, it contains a lot of fun new facts about what the Guardians have been up to for all these years. We don't have to wait long. Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special, will be available to stream on Disney Plus from November 25 with a subscription to the service, obviously. Now, Lee, your favourite Alexander Skarsgård is set to make his directorial debut with The Pack, starring alongside one of our other favourites, Florence Pugh, who is in high demand at the moment with roles in Christopher for Nolan's Oppenheimer and Dune Part 2, which is currently filming. Not that you're wrong, but why is he a favourite of mine? I don't know. I think <laughs> you, you love him. Do I? Yeah. In the Northman episode, you love oh, him. Okay. I mean, surely there's more than that. That's I the mean, only thing I can think of now. <laughs> We've mentioned him a few times. He's, yeah, he's pretty impressive. I don't know if he's up there with my, you know, love for, Johnson, love for Dwayne Johnson and Henry Cavill. And Henry Cavill yeah. oh, right, right. He's a close third. Oh, Hugh Jackman, please. Oh, all right, now he's a fourth. Okay, he's, yeah. he's dropping quite far down the list now. <laughs> he's quite far down. <laughs> the Pack, which begins filming in March, follows a group of documentarians who brave the remote wilderness of Alaska in an effort to save a nearly extinct species of wolves. When the crew is brought back together at an awards ceremony, tensions flare as a deadly truth threatens to unravel their work. Gosh. Sounds, sounds tense. Dramatic. Mm. I'm loving this trend of actors becoming directors, like Michael yeah. B. Jordan, now Alexander Skarsgård. I'm sure there's many more. Like Some are really suited to it. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see what they bring to the party. Do you here. know what? There were little whisperings this week as well that Michael B. Jordan was going to take over the Blade project. Really? As director? Yeah. How good would that be? Because the director fell off that yeah, project recently. Yeah, he did. He did. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think they've, they've tapped someone else. But I got really excited about that for a second because I thought, ooh, yes. 
Me too, but you know what? I'd want Michael B. Jordan to be in Blade. <laughs> right. But he can't be because that's part of the MCU and he is in the Black Panther franchise. So he, he couldn't play as another character. No, he character. couldn't be in it, no. Oh, but, but see, I but want he could him direct to. It. He can direct it, that's fine, but I still want him to show yeah, up. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen, unfortunately. I think they've tapped someone else. But yeah, when I heard that piece of news, I was like, oh, oh, yes, please. Oh, but, gosh. Mm. Okay, well, that's disappointing that's not going to happen. But <laughs> we, we can fantasise about it all yes. the same. That's it for another episode of Popcorn Podcast, everyone. We covered off The Woman King, which we highly recommend you go and see. And you can catch it in Australian cinemas from October 27. All right, friends, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.